so good to just worship and be with family i love you guys so much love this church if you are visiting maybe your first second or third time guest uh, we would just like to welcome you my name is mike signorelli and i'm the lead pastor of v1 church my wife julie is the co-lead pastor and uh yeah she toured up last week and we were in queens and it was just such an incredible time and you know the bible talks a lot about how in, in psalms it actually says that when your roots go down blessed are those who's uh, who's planted in the house of god and I don't, I don't, I don't, I want you to get an image of planted. You know, what planted means is your, the nourishment that you need oftentimes is not above ground, it's below ground. And so in a, in a dry season, in a season devoid of sunlight and, and rain and all those necessary things, if your roots go down deep enough, you will survive it. And I believe that what's happened at V1 Church over the last year and a half since our, our inception is that people's roots are beginning to go down into this house. And when your roots go down in that house, it's just, it, the Bible says, blessed are those who's, uh, who's planted in the house of the Lord. So um, whether you're visiting here or whether you call this home, we pray that this would be a pot that you can actually get rooted in and let those roots go down. Something just happens when you commit fully and say yes completely. And, and you just do that. And we've had people make those decisions for Jesus, but then also make that decision for the local church time and time again here at V1. And this place is special because you showed up. I mean, I think when I look out in the crowd, what I see is uh, a lot of diverse faces with diverse experiences. We've, we've got the young and then we've got the young at heart, which is basically saying crazy old people. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. We, I mean, like, no, seriously, though, this church has got someone represented at every stage of life who is battling a warrior. That's the one thing we have in common. We've come from different places. Uh, we've got different experiences, but we are fighters. And when you get in the company of fighters and you begin to hear their sound that they make when they're together, it just gives you this hope that, you know what, I can see another day. I can make it another day. You know, one of my favorite characters in the Bible is Peter. And uh, I've preached often on Peter, but I've actually never preached what I'm about to preach to you today. Um, and some of you who come from churches with shorter services are like, I thought you did preach already. <laughs> um, a lot of times people come and they're like, we thought Evan preached and everyone preached and we're hungry now. <laughs> we don't want any more preaching. We're free already, you see? <laughs> um, but I'll make this quick uh, for all you guys. Um, just a quick hour and a half presentation right now. <laughs> the real Christians are like, bring it! <laughs> You know, I don't want to do any of this, but I definitely want to hear it. Well. <laughs> okay, we don't use the term baby Christian here at this church, by the way, because spiritual maturity is rooted in the fruit of your life, which basically means how much success have other people had at obtaining the person and the life of Jesus Christ through your life. And uh, for me, you'll find that the deeper you go into scripture, the more basic you become. Hashtag basic, you know? And for me, it's like you're going through the trials of life. You know what the solution is? The same thing they told you in V1 Kids, pray. The same thing that worked last time you went through it, worship. And sometimes we gotta repeat that. And I, there's a pretty basic guy named Peter. And Peter, 
was in Jesus's inner circle. So Jesus had multiple disciples, more than 12 actually, but he had 12 that he was intentional about. And then amongst the 12, he had the inner circle. And uh, actually, Paul or Peter's name was Shimon, which is how the proper way in that, their language to say Simon. And Jesus changed his name to Kephos, and Kephos was actually the Aramaic word for rock, and it was actually translated then into Greek for Petros, which we know as Peter. And so this guy shows up. Uh, complete flunky in yeshiva and the religious institutions that they had under Roman rule in the context of Judaism and basically didn't have the stuff to actually properly interpret the Torah and we know that because he was a fisherman and the reason why he was a fisherman is because according to all the tests that they could have ran Peter through he was a little dumb because people that showed exceptional mental prowess were actually invited on this journey to take the yoke, which is another way of saying the translation of whatever that particular, uh, whatever that particular uh, person's uh, understanding of scripture was in their system of um, priesthood. And so it was like an indicator that he was a blue collar worker, which means he had a dash of dumb. But how many of you know that God can use somebody with a dash of dumb? How many of you know you're being preached to right now with somebody that God dropped the whole bottle of dumb into? <laughs> Ask my wife. So you have Shimon become Kephos, which we translated Peter, and then he's getting rebuked, corrected. How many of you are so thankful for the people who are willing to correct you in your life and tell you the hard things and make you better as a result of it, right? And, uh, and all of a sudden he goes through that process and we find Peter decades into his mission. You know, sometimes you gotta get a little bit of distance from your correction and your rebuke until God is really gonna put you on assignment. And sometimes he'll just immediately put you on assignment and uh, that's for his determination. But we have 1 Peter and we're gonna teach through 1 Peter today and then we're gonna teach through the book of 2 Peter next week. So I'd love for you to come back to hear that. And I think the thing that was interesting to me is I went to go unpack this with the intentions to blow your mind today, um, but I really don't want to preach for information. I want to preach for transformation today. And if this message doesn't transform you, uh, you probably weren't listening <laughs> because God's word never returns back void. So it's not going to be Mike Signorelli's interpretation of it. It's just going to be the word doing what it's assigned to do in your life. I believe that you're here by divine appointment today. And uh, I was really hung up on this first scripture. So let me read this to you. First Peter chapter one, verse one says, I, Peter, am an apostle on assignment. Somebody say, water's broke. I am Peter, an apostle on assignment. Well, I've got to take you back and tell you a little bit more about his story for that to actually hit you the way that it hit me as I was studying for this message. But he says, I am Peter, an apostle on assignment by Jesus the Messiah, writing to exiles scattered to the four winds. See, God provisions what God assigns. If you're taking notes today, you can write that down. God provisions what he assigns. God actually protects his investments. You want to know why that tragedy from your past didn't cause you to kill yourself? Because you have been protected by God because he's made investments in your life that you are going to live to see the return on. 
God always protects his investment. You should have died in that car accident, Danielle, but you're here running lights today because God protects his investment. Come on, somebody. It didn't look like Peter was going to make it, though. Peter had, uh, he was stuck on stupid. That's the only way I could say it. And I know that because I've been him and probably why he's my favorite person in all of scripture but maybe you're Peter getting rebuked all the time maybe you're even Peter denying Jesus I mean remember after Jesus was going through that process of crucifixion it was actually Peter who was like telling a small girl who was so scared of what she thought about him and so scared that the word would get out that he's a Jesus follower that he denied Jesus three times Maybe you're so afraid of what your friends and family think about you that you're in a denial phase right, right now. I don't want them to think I'm stupid for believing in God. Well, I can introduce you to some astrophysicists who believe in Christ who can help you with that too. Well, well, I'm so afraid of their opinion. Peter went through that. Maybe you're going through that right now. Maybe you're even Peter on the wrong assignment using your sword to fight a centurion soldier when you should be using the sword of the spirit to fight the devil. And we got too many Christians who are on the wrong assignment, fighting each other and even fighting people in the world. And instead of using the sword of the spirit to take that battle in the spiritual realm, where we'll, we will actually see some true victory. We got, I mean, I know we got some Peters in here because I've had to unfollow you. I'm just kidding. Everyone's like, offense, offense. Oh, God, we got a series for that. It's on the app. Don't, don't stay offended. But, but it's like... Maybe you're Peter at those different stages right now, but don't get mad at God for treating you like your future. Don't get mad at God for treating you like the end, even if you're just in the beginning. Peter getting rebuked, Peter denying Jesus, Peter on the wrong assignment fighting humans when he should be fighting spiritual battles. And then you fast forward a couple decades later when he's been weathered, when he's been through some stuff. Anyone here been through some stuff? And he's seen it before, and all of a sudden he says, I, Peter, am an apostle. I'm not a flunky. I'm not a yeshiva dropout. I'm not somebody just getting rebuked and corrected by Jesus. Jesus himself said, get thee behind me, Satan. But you know what his superpower was? Peter's superpower was he kept showing up. What if that was your superpower? What if your superpower was that you kept showing up every single Sunday? What if your superpower is you kept showing up? And you know what, that, that's really at the end of the day, I, I haven't known, probably still don't know all of what it takes to be a good husband, but I'm, I've made a commitment. I'm gonna keep showing up to my house and showing up to my kid's life to be a good husband. I, I don't even know that I'm a good pastor. I'm trying to learn how to be a good lead pastor, but I can guarantee you this, I'm gonna be showing up every single week and say, you know what? I'm not going to condemn what God, what God assigned. And I think sometimes some of us, when you doubt yourself, you, got, you doubt God's choice because he chose you. When you doubt yourself, you're actually doubting God's choice. Maybe you're Peter on a sabbatical. Maybe you're Peter going through divorce proceedings. Maybe you're even Peter on the bench, no longer serving in the local church. Maybe you're Peter on the fritz because your business isn't being successful. I don't know where you're at right now, but if God called you, I believe that he is going to place you in your calling. And I believe that if he called you to it, he's going to get you through it. And I believe that there is more for 
for your life. And I believe that your best days are ahead and not behind. And I believe that he can repair every broken thing and put the broken pieces back together so that it doesn't even look like it had ever been broken. And I believe that you're going to have to tell people the stuff you went through because they're never going to believe it. And I believe that you're going to have to tell your testimony because you're not wearing your testimony on your face anymore. And I believe that you're going to show up and look different and act different and sound different and you're going to wear a different mantle than the one that you're wearing right now. Somebody say water's breaking. breaking. You know, the first time that Julie got pregnant, now this is a side note, has nothing to do with First Peter and what we're doing right now, but this may be for someone. We were married for two months and got pregnant on birth control. Somebody just panicked right now. That's why it got quiet. Someone's like, oh, snaps. Where's the prayer team? Open the altars, Pastor Mike. Oh, wait, you can get pregnant on birth control? Apparently, go, you can meet Bella after service. You know, you can meet your future. That's why you better stop it now. <laughs> Be sure, we'll find you. I was married, though. Do the math. Do the math on her age. I was married. God's grace is sufficient, even if I wasn't. Amen? Amen? Amen. There is no such thing as an illegitimate child because only God can give life. But the first time, that, wasn't, that was just free. The first time that Julie got pregnant, it was like we did, I read all the books on like how to deal with that or whatever. And then Julie, you know, kind of went from a little apricot and then it went to a marble. You know how they do the thing. And then an avocado and then a watermelon, right? And we had our bag packed. You know, you have that emergency bag like the one that they didn't have 14,000 years ago and still survived with. <laughs> Some of you don't know yet. All the single guys are like, lame, dad. <laughs> You'll see, after because you, you got her pregnant on birth control. But anyways, <laughs> that'll free somebody. If that's all you get out of this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You better be afraid of something. <laughs> you better be afraid of something. So the first time Julie got pregnant, you know, I was a high school teacher and it was finals week when her water broke. And that scared me because I was like broke Tiger Woods in my khakis and like my shirt tucked in. And I was like, I need to give these kids finals to help them. You know, like a final has ever helped anyone. And uh, someone said, preach. The dude who dropped out, preach. <laughs> but, uh, but anyways, all of a sudden I went to go kiss Julie goodbye for work and her water broke in that moment. And it was the single most disgusting experience of my entire life. I mean, it was like, I was like, what is that? She's like, we're going to have a baby. And I was like, that's, that's, ew. That's not the miracle of birth. Even Julie was like, hey, when you preach it this week, don't say the word birth that much. It really offends people. It's gross. I'm like, Jules, there is no way to sanitize that funk. Birth is nasty. When I was a youth pastor, you know how I stopped kids from having premarital sex, watching birth videos. I'm just kidding, we don't do that. Everyone's like, don't send them to be one youth. Um, but all of a sudden, it is nasty. All of a sudden, um, her water broke and we grabbed that emergency bag and we rushed. I mean, I'm calling my job, you know, we, I can't give the finals today. Kids are going to not grow intellectually. <laughs> and we're there. And then we got there and we discovered what every single one of you have had a kid knows the 12 hour plus wait of nothing happening. <laughs> right. See them for the second birth when we had Everly. 
all of a sudden, Julie went to this really granola, granola-y, like, uh, you know, natural birth where you're like, well, what's our plan? Well, life is life. And you're like, how is that a plan? Because she was like a total hippie. But that's the plan. Life is life. We're like, all right. <laughs> And Julie didn't want to have the next baby on medication, and she did that whole thing. And, you know, and I was like, well, it looks like it's going to hurt, but go for it, you know? But we actually had Everly, like, natural birth, or I say we, like I did it, right? You know, that's how we do, like, in ministry, right? Yeah, we did it. Um, but here's the thing, like, Julie had Everly, and, and, but it was different because when her water broke that second pregnancy, she had learned that there is this process called labor, do you hear me getting ready to preach to you? We have learned that just because your water breaks doesn't mean that there's an instantaneous birth and there is a process called labor. You know, I'm about to climb over these seas and go full Pentecostal on you now, okay? That just because the water breaks doesn't mean it's an instantaneous birth. There is a process called labor. Everyone say labor labor the pressure that you feel is a gift because you're surrounded in all in all of your womb you are surrounded by pressure but that pressure is bringing the thing that was conceived down the canal yes i'm going there it's getting gross but all of a sudden those contractions that pressure is a force of nature it's the gift to the woman to do the thing that they might not do on their own because it's gonna hurt so bad that if you give a woman keep the baby inside longer or push to bring it out I don't know I haven't given birth but I've came close after some Taco Bell experiences but I will tell you this most human beings given the choice between experiencing pain to bring something beautiful into the earth or to keep it inside of you will choose to keep it inside of you, you know how I know that because where you'll find the greatest riches on earth it's not in a bank vault, it's in the graveyard because people never got books out because of the pain it was gonna cause to push it out. You know where you're gonna find the greatest storehouses of songs? It's not in Hillsong, Sydney, it's in the graveyard down the street for all the people who never pushed to birth the song that was inside of them because it was gonna cost them some pain, pain. Pain, labor, a process. Yeah, your water's broke. Yes, you've had a religious experience. And you're wondering, when am I going to be able to say like 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, I am Peter on assignment, the apostle. Because you keep waiting on your assignment, you're going to have to go through a process. Pain, pain, pain. I was listening to this talk. They said in neuroscience, they actually believe now that the reality is once you've gotten older than 25 years old, there is a significant chance that you will not change. And that's why multinational corporations have started to aim all of their marketing at the youth population because there is a better chance of implementing a change in behavior or habit or consumption before the window of 25. Now, if you're here and you're like me and you're older than 25, you're probably thinking, well, what about me? This is also what they discovered. If you want someone over the age of 25 to change a behavior, the single most significant way to produce that change is to introduce trauma. Pain, pain, pain. And so I, I, I find it strange that we so often try to elude the very thing that God has sent in your life to change you and take you to the next level. 
I find it so strange that we try to escape the very friend of all friends, not the friend that will believe in your potential, but the frenemy that will actually cause it to come out. Because pain is a frenemy. You've got a frenemy. You know what a frenemy is? A friend who's an enemy. And those people and those situations and those circumstances are introduced in your life to actually cause you to birth something. And let me just say it like this. The second time Julie's water broke, we learned. So Julie started binge watching Stranger Things on Netflix. No, I'm just kidding. She started watching Netflix. She started doing a crossword puzzle. And it was like so chill. Then after all those hours, she took a shower. And then we show up to the hospital only to discover that she's one centimeter dilated. And then some more time went to pass. And so, but guess what began to happen? When the timing was right, the process that had been initiated began to take over and a greater force called labor began to cause those contractions. And then this beautiful ultra global leader that's super mean, but we're gonna turn it and redeem it into something good Everly came into the world. Somebody say water's broke. Come on, say water's broke. Come on, just because you started the business doesn't mean it's instantaneously gonna be successful. God's bringing some conflict to be your confirmation. Come on, just because you found the girl and you thought she was good enough to date doesn't mean marriage is gonna be that easy. Come on, somebody. Can I give you three points right now before I keep you all day? Can I close it out with three points? Point number one is this for the note takers. The opposition is your confirmation that you're called. The opposition is your, you know what? People told me that Long Island was the graveyard of churches and they told me that the fastest church that's ever gotten over a hundred people here took over six years for that to happen doing church the way we're doing it. I said, thanks frenemy, because you just fired me up and got me so excited. That opposition is confirmation that I'm called and I love barriers because I love the feeling of breaking them. And, and sometimes it's gotta be something in your life that'll push you to cause you to push back. Number two, can, can I give you number two? God protects his investments. You are his investment. Yeah, you got some sin in your life, but you want, you want me to tell the secret why God keeps cleaning you up? Because he's treating you like your future. Oh, nobody's gonna preach with me today. Nobody's gonna celebrate with me that the grace of God is so good, it won't even let you self-sabotage. You are his investment. When my wife was barricading the door and she was saying, please, Mike, don't go out drinking tonight. Please, Mike, don't go and run away because I don't know what the toll's gonna be when you get outside this door. I couldn't understand why God kept washing me, why he kept making me clean, why he kept forgiving me, why he kept healing me, why he kept bringing pastors and correction in my life, but he was treating me like my future because I was an investment that he was gonna see a return on one day. And so if you look at Peter, you see Peter in this book saying, I, Peter, on assignment. Look what he says in chapter 3, verse 13. Are you guys still with me? If with heart and soul you're doing good, do you think that you can be stopped? If with heart and soul you are doing good, do you think that you can be stopped? Do you know 
why he was able to pen this and immortalize it in scripture because he said, God, I'm such a failure and such a, a, a mistake maker. It seems like the only thing I produce is mistakes, but God, with my heart and soul, I wanna go. I remember this picture where Jesus saw the crowd thinning out that used to follow him. And, and, and he turns to the 12 and he said, are you guys gonna leave me too because I'm preaching a hard word? And Peter said, Jesus, where else do we have to go? Where else are we gonna go? We're yours, God. I don't. I, and I think that He just stayed the course. Stay the course. Stay the course. Stay the course. Weather the storms of life. Somebody needs you to keep showing up to church to prove that this is God's design and the very thing that Jesus died for. Somebody needs you to keep showing up in your marriage to, to prove that that marriage was not man's idea. It was instituted by God. Point number three, if God conceived it, God will ensure it's delivered. We had a dream in our heart, and I'm living in it right now by looking at your faces in this movie theater, by getting the feedback of testimonies and breakthrough that we get every week. If God conceived it, God will deliver it. Will somebody say water's breaking? Come on, will you stand to your feet? Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.